So last week we began this series called Uncomplicated. And what we're trying to do is to take what culture and we have complicated. What this area of singleness and this area of dating and this area of purity that we have taken and warped and complicated and really uncomplicated by pulling back and saying, what does the Bible say about this stuff? What is God's design for this? Let's uncomplicate it by understanding God's way and doing it God's way. And so last week we talked about singleness and, and what God means for that season of your life. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, and that, that is not punishment for you. It's not you getting stuck on an island. It's not God saying stinks for you and all the married people are having fun. It is a good gift of God's grace that we ought to embrace. That's what singleness is. And so tonight we're going to shift from singleness as a season to the season that everybody knows and loves as dating. So we're going to talk about dating tonight. And what the Bible has to say about all of that. Before we jump in, we're not in the, the, the late 90s, so none of you were born, which is great. Uh, anyway, so check it out. So late 90s, 99, you, just, you were skating in, my friend. I mean, you barely made it. It counts, I guess. In the late 90s, the Yankees won the World Series. A guy named Andy Pettit was pitching for them during that time. Right? So... It's irrelevant about the Yankees, but check it out. So this is what happened. So he was from the same town that I lived in at that time. So uh, as, a, as being a part of that, the Little League in that town, our all-star team got to go and get Andy Pettit to sign whatever we wanted him to sign. A hat, a baseball, or whatever, right? So, so we went through, and he's like a World Series champion pitcher, so this is a really big deal. I'm in like fourth or fifth grade at this point. Then I go up, and I, I get him to sign my hat. I get him to sign a ball. My dad gets him to sign a ball for my sister. It's a really big deal because it's Andy Pettit. So, so all that happens, we go home. And I like pick out a place on my shelf for this ball. I have a signature on my hat. My sister has her ball, all that stuff. But you know those moments like when you're writing with a pen and you're writing and the pen just kind of like cuts out mid like stroke of your, 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 like trying to write a letter and it kind of cuts out, but then it picks back up and then it starts going. That's just part of using a pen. I get all that. Well, that's kind of how the signature looked on the, on the ball that like some of it missed and which is, it should be normal, right? Anybody with like a brain knows like, oh, yeah, that's, that's normal. But my fourth or fifth grade brain wasn't, like I wasn't satisfied with that. So I took that ball, got a Sharpie, and decided that I would trace Andy Pettit's signature on that ball. Which, as you know, renders that ball worthless. Worthless. And I thought in that moment, I'm going to add something that's really helpful. It's really good. It's going to make this better. I, I promise it's going to make it better. And in adding that to that moment, I rendered it worthless. I actually created a really frustrating situation, a really, a really hard situation for my dad to look at me and be like, sorry, buddy. And I took something that was valuable and took all the value away by adding to it something that I thought was so good. And the reality is this is where, we, this is where we, you find yourselves in this dating culture. Is God has given you two good God-glorifying spaces to be in. Brother and sister in Christ, husband and wife. And along the way, culture has fed all this stuff to you. That this is, you got to add all this in. And now there are just, there are stops along the way that, are become de- that have become destinations in and of themselves. That it's not just brother and sister in Christ, husband and wife, but it's brother and sister in Christ, friends, friends that are a little more than friends. You know, we're talking now. Which is like, cool, you talk every day. We're texting. Oh, he sends me Snapchats. Oh, now we're friends with benefits, which whatever that means is whack. 
oh, now we're, now we're boyfriend and girlfriend. Now we're exclusive boyfriend and girlfriend, which is like, okay. <laughs> and now we're fiance and now we're husband and wife. And you we have created all of these different stops along the way. And we thought, man, we're going to add to this and it's going to make it awesome. But the reality is, is the more we have added, the more value we've taken away from relationships. We've, we've actually rendered it really frustrating and really confusing. And what we need to do is uncomplicate it by looking at the scriptures and saying, what does God say about this? How do we have relationships that honor God? That's what we're going to do as we look at Genesis chapter 24. So here are a couple of rules of the game. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24, here's the setting. It's Abraham and Isaac, a Bedouin culture. It doesn't matter if you know what Bedouin, but here's the deal. You're going to see an arranged marriage like get, 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 take place. What I'm not advocating for is leave here and let your parents pick your spouse and good luck. That's not the goal. Though for some of you, that might be a better choice. But check it out. What I, what I do want to do as we look at Genesis chapter 24 is take the principles that we find. Take the principles that we find as this guy goes out to select a spouse for Isaac. Take the principles that we find about what he looks for in the woman and how he observes her and how they, how they interact. We want to take those principles and put them into place in the relationships that we step into. And here's what I want to do. I want to blow up what you think, what you think dating is because our definition is so backward, sideways, and wrong. You just need to throw it out. Because the way that we think about dating is we've got all kinds of lies. Like, oh, well, you know, you got to date a lot of people to figure out who you want to marry. You know, you like you test drive the car before you buy it. Well, that works with cars, but not humans. Right? Like humans have souls. So that's a poor play. Oh, well, you just date to have fun. When you go into dating with a mentality of we're just having some fun, you know what happens? Somebody gets hurt or both of you get hurt and it goes bad. You step into dating and you, you inherit all of these, you inherit all of these lies. Like, well, dating means like, dating means like we're more than friends, but we're not husband and wife, which is like, so like, what does that mean? Well, it means like we get the benefits of being husband and wife, but none of the responsibility of husband and wife. That's unhelpful. That's unhelpful. So you need to throw out how you think about dating. And really you need to think about this. If I'm not stepping into this, with marriage, with marriage even on the radar, I don't need to be dating. And, and here's the reality. In junior high and high school, like 98% of people in junior high and high school, they get in relationships. They're not getting married. You think, well, I'm the 2%. Probably not. Probably not. So, so sure, there are exceptions to that rule. I get all of that. But if marriage is not even on the radar, what are we doing? Because the scripture is going to paint a really different picture. So let's look at Genesis chapter 24. I'm not going to read all this. It's a ton of verses. It's actually the longest chapter in Genesis, which is really interesting to me. We're actually just going to ask two questions and observe some things as we move through Genesis 24. So I'm going to select some verses out of this and we're going to move through it. Here's the first thing that we're going to answer is helping you discover who you should date. Discovering who you should date. We're going to answer this question. Who? Like, I got to select a human. How, how do I do that? Who am I looking for? How do I select somebody? We find the first principle in verse 2. Chapter 24, verse 2. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge over all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, 
that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The first thing that when you're thinking about this question, who should I date? The first thing that you ought to always consider is they better be a follower of God. You want to start there. Primary, number one. They should be a follower of God. And for us, here's what that means. They need to be disciples of Christ. Not just like, oh, they believe in a God. That's, no, that's not the same. We believe in one God, and that God is Jesus. They need to be followers of Christ. And I don't just mean like, oh, well, they say they're Christians. Like they wore this like cool, like on their Instagram and their bio, they have a Bible verse. Like that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who is willing to say, I am more in love with Jesus and I am more after Jesus than I am after this relationship. Listen to me, girls, guys, you want somebody who sees Jesus as Lord, not you. You want somebody who treasures Jesus more than they treasure you, because if they treasure Jesus, they will treasure you. So find somebody who is after Christ, who will say, hey, you're great. I love hanging out with you, but if this doesn't work, Jesus is better than that. Find somebody who is after Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. What church are they committed to? Are they in community? I mean, ask those questions. We're like, well, they go to church every once in a while. No, no, no. I'm talking like, are they involved? Are they serving? Are they a part of your community? You're like, man, that's a lot of criteria. Yeah, because this is not a joke. So, they need to be a follower of God. The second thing that we identify when discovering who we should date, we see in verse 12. Jump all the way down to verse 12. And he said, that's the servant, right? The servant, Abraham sends out the servant. The servant goes to where these women are. And this is what the servant says in verse 12. He said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing in the spring of water and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink and who shall say drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Here's the deal. Abraham sends this dude out. He goes, he grabs some camels and he's like, all right, I'm going to go to this place, this place where the well is, because I know that's where the girls are. And I'm looking for a wife and like girls will become wives. So I need to be there. That's just a good option for me. I'm going to go where these women are. And he, he observes on the outside, these women. So here's the deal. When you are thinking about who I should date, here's what you need to do. You need to look for godly character. You need to look for godly character. Look at what he, look at what he observes in verse 15. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. He observes this character about her. That girl is hardworking. She put the jar on her shoulder and she's like, look, I'm not trying to be lazy. I got water to get. I got people that are thirsty. I'm putting this water jar on my shoulder and getting after it. Guys, girls, find somebody with a character that's hardworking because if they're lazy now, they'll be lazy in your marriage. So find somebody who's hardworking. That's godly character. Look what else he observes in verse 17 through 20. Then the servant ran to meet her. He goes over to Rebecca now and said, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. 
When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. You see what other character? She's servant-hearted. She runs over, to the, like he runs over to her, and he's like, I'm thirsty, can you give me some water? She's like, yeah, drink, whatever you want. And then she empties the water that she just filled up in front of him. Hey, keep drinking if you're still thirsty. I'll even water your camels. I don't know if you know anything about camels. They hold a lot of water. They drink a lot of water. So that girl had to go work hard. But she was willing to say, look, I'll be really inconvenienced because you're in need and I want to serve. That's servant-hearted character. And you want to find somebody that you're going to move into dating with because dating with with marriage as the aim, you want to find somebody who's servant-hearted. You want to find somebody who's willing to set aside their own interests for yours. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, guys, you want to find the girl that's like, this is all about me. It's not the game. But is she willing to serve? Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to set aside your own selfishness to serve? You want to find somebody like that that's willing to serve. They're servant-hearted. And she's kind. We see that in verse 17 through 20. She's like, yeah, drink as much as you want. I'll even, I'll even get water for your camels. Not only is that servant-hearted, but that's super kind. She had to go back probably more than once to fill that jar with water. I, I don't know if you carry jars of water very often. They're not light or convenient to carry. But she's so kind. And listen, listen, girls. There's a million guys on the planet that are good-looking and whatever. They're... <laughs> But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Find a guy that's kind. That will carry you. Find a guy that's kind. Because here's the deal. One of these days, gravity's going to have its effect on that dude. And he's not going to be so good looking anymore. And then he's going to be ugly and unkind. So find somebody that's kind. Verse 20, you are, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, from whom she, bore to know, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. Do you see how hospitable she is? She's like, yeah, come and stay. I know it's hot out here. You're thirsty. We've got food. We've got a place for you to sleep. Come and stay. How welcoming are the people that you're observing? Man, as you observe a, a, a guy's character, a girl's character, do they, do they consistently shove people out or do they welcome people in? Because people who are exclusive aren't going to be kind people to you down the road. They won't. They won't. The last thing he observes, we observe about Rebecca, we see in verse 65. Jump all the way over to 65. So at this point, she's, she's rolling towards Isaac. Verse 65, and said to the servant, who is that? So she asked, who is that man walking in the fields to meet us? The servant said, is my master? That's Isaac. That's what he means. So she took her veil and covered herself. Guys, you want a girl that is modest. Girls, you want a guy that's modest. Here's what I mean. We typically think, oh, modest is about girls' clothing when they need to cover themselves up and be modest. But here's the deal. It's more than that. Modesty is an attitude. So yes, guys, you, wanna, you want to find a girl that dresses mature. You want to find a girl that dresses modest. I know you think in your brain right now, like, the less clothes, the better. I'm telling you, that's not a good mentality to adopt. Those aren't the kind, that's not the kind of attention that you want to attract. But girls, the same is true for guys. 
I'm not talking about clothing, but you want a guy with a modest attitude. If all that guy talks about and cares about is how awesome he is, that will exhaust you. It will exhaust you. So, Find a guy, find a girl that is modest, has godly character. The third thing, when we're, when we're asking who should we date, we see in verse 16, go back to verse 16. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. So here's what we notice here. Physical, physical appearance, it matters. Physical attraction, it matters. It's just not ultimate. It's not ultimate. Proverbs 31 verse 30 says it like this. Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Here's the deal. Should you be physically attracted to that guy or that girl? Sure. Yeah, that matters. You don't want to be like, hey, you're real ugly, but it's not a good. So does it, does the, is the fact that you're attracted matter? Yes, but it's not ultimate. And the problem is, is that's how we view it. Are, are they good looking or not? But again, your body doesn't stay like it is now. He might have a six-pack now. That's going to go away. You're going to get wrinkles in places you're like, that was not there before. Your body will revolt. And I'm telling you, if you bank your relationship on, you're good-looking, she's good-looking, you will find yourself disappointed down the road. That's what Proverbs 31 says. Charm is deceitful. It deceives you into thinking this is forever. Beauty is fleeting. It's going to go away. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Find a girl. Find a guy who fears the Lord. That's a better mark. So physical appearance matters. It's just not ultimate. The last thing that we find when we're asking this question, who do we date? We find in verse 50. Look at verse 50. So the servant goes to his, uh, her house and is now talking to her brother. So verse 50, Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to, to you bad or good. Verse 58, jump over to verse 58. And they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So he comes, tells him the story. He's like, look, man, I'm, I'm from Abraham. And we like prayed about this. And she walked up and she watered my camels, bro. Like, this is a really big deal. Like, I think like, she can, like she's going to be Isaac's wife. This is a, a, a big thing. And they're like, that's obviously from God. We cannot deny this. And so they look at Rebecca. They're like, hey, Rebecca, like, uh, do you want to go with them? And she's like, I'm going to go. So when you're asking the question, who should I date? You need, you need to find somebody who is sensitive to God's leading. You need to find somebody that's sensitive to God's leading. Are they willing to follow God's way? At all costs. At the cost of their relationship. At the cost of their popularity. At the cost of their sports team. Are they willing to follow God? Are they sensitive to God's leading? So that's helpful in identifying the who. But really we need to ask another question. How do we do this? How do we date? How do we date well according to God's design? And again, I want you to understand. We're not talking dating like you understand it. Boyfriend, girlfriend, holding hands in the hall. Hope this goes well. We are friends on Instagram. That kind of deal. No, no, no. Blow that up. I'm talking like marriage is in the... Marriage is on the radar. We're moving forward with this thing. Like, you are the kind of guy, you are the kind of girl I could spend the rest of my life with. You're like, whoa, 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 I'm not there yet. Well, that's proof that you should just not date then. So, but when we get to that season, because the reality is in the next decade of life, some of you will be married, which is crazy to think about, but that's the reality. So how, how do we date? How do we move through this season from brother and sister to Christ, brother and sister in Christ to husband and wife? How do we move through that season in, in a way that's honoring to God? How do we do this? 
The first thing we find, go back to verse 2. Abraham said to his servant, the oldest in in his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. He looks at his servant and he says, look, bro, I need you to go get my son a wife and I need you to swear to me by the Lord God of heaven and of earth that you will do this and you won't get a woman that's from the Canaanites. So it's not just, it's not just Abraham looking at his servant. He's like, hey, go find the finest chick at the well and bring her back. It's not that. So here's the first thing. And if you're thinking about how do we do this well, you need to go into it with this mentality. This is a serious matter. We're not just doing this to have fun. This is a serious matter. We're not just doing this to have fun. Should it be fun? Yes. Some of the memories that that Jenny and I carry from our time of dating, so fun. It should be fun. But if fun is the only goal, it will be fruitless. It is a serious matter. You're hanging out with another soul. So when you go into it just having some fun, it blows up and she or you or he or whatever gets wounded. And I'm telling you, as somebody who has been there, you carry those wounds into your marriage, whether you like it or not. You will. And you think, no, I'll cover them up. I won't talk about them. They'll come out. They will expose themselves and you will have to deal with it. So why even walk into it? It's a serious matter. We're not just having fun. Second thing we find in verse 4. Look at verse 4. But will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The, fourth, the, the, the second thing that we find when we're talking about how we should date. Marriage is the goal. Dating is not the goal. Dating is not the destination. You, can't, you should not arrive at, we're boyfriend and girlfriend. We have made it. It's not the goal, it's not the destination. Marriage is the destination. And again, if you're thinking in your brain, that's nowhere close for me, then don't date. Because you're just playing around. But if you can come into a relationship with a guy or with a girl, and you can think in the next couple of years, we could be doing, like we could be married. If you can pay the bills and it's honoring God and your parents are on board, go for it. But if you're thinking, hey, Cade, I'm only 15 or I'm only 16. I really don't have any business talking about marriage right now. Great. Then you really don't have any business talking about dating either. Because it's just going to leave you hurt. It's just going to leave her or him hurt. So marriage is the goal. Marriage is the goal. Third thing for how we do this well. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. This is Abraham speaking to his servant, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me to your offspring. I will give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. The servant speaks back to Abraham is like, yeah, but like, what if I go and she doesn't want to come back? And Abraham says, look, man. God's promised that he would make us a people, a great people. I'm just going to trust that God's going to come through here. So here's the deal. When you're thinking about how to date well, you need to go into it trusting the Lord. You need to go into it trusting the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make, your, he will make straight your paths. 
Trust the Lord. Trust that God's going to bring you to that season of life when God wants to bring you to that season of life. But here's what happens. You panic. You freak out. You're like, yeah, but all these hormones are in, in me. And like, he's real fine. And I'm just like, I got to have you. Come here. And you start dating. And then it blows up. And you're like, man, he's a jerk. And I got hurt. What happened? You trusted in your own understanding. And it left you hurt. Hey, I get there, there are desires in you to couple off. They're like, man, she's attractive. He's attractive. I would like to cut. That desire to couple off is, is not evil. It's from God, but it's meant for marriage. It's meant for marriage. So trust God that he's going to bring you to that place when he wants you to be in that place. You're like, okay, but it's not fast enough. Trust God. And here's what it even means. Like when you get into that place, like if you get into a relationship, you know what trusting God looks like in that relationship? You just play it real loose. And here's what I mean. Guys, you don't own her. Girls, you don't own him. So, so don't be sending him pouty texts like, you just never see me anymore. You're always with your friends. It's like, look, what? So, so look, guys, it, nothing would probably be more honoring that you would be extremely clear with her. You know what she wants? She wants clarity. What are you thinking in your head? What are we? What are we doing here? Are we just like playing around? Because I'm not interested in just playing around. So guys, if you were just really upfront, like, hey, this is my expectation with us, that'd probably be like oxygen to a girl. Like, thank God that you're actually telling me what's going on here so I don't have to guess for a change. Thanks. But if you could just be real clear and give her a big out, like, hey, if you, think, if you think this isn't going well and this is, not, this is not where God's leading you, I trust God with my life and I trust God with your life. And if you want to end this now, let's end this now. Don't play the needy guy like, you complete me, you're my whatever. Like, what? <laughs> trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. The fourth thing of how to date, well, we find in verse 10. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Verse 11. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. What is he doing? He's going to observe character. He's going to observe character. And he watches these women interact. And he goes up and he interacts with this woman and he observes her character. Guys, girls, before you even get into a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is that you want to call it, relationship, you ought to know their character going in. You don't date to observe character. You can observe character from afar. You can observe character in a group. You can hang out in a group and see how she or he is with his friends. How does he speak to his parents? How does he speak to authority? How does she speak to authority? Observe their character. Go in knowing their character. Because when you go into dating and trying to observe character, you just get hurt. Because you're like, well, I didn't know this about you. You're actually a jerk. But you could have observed that beforehand. Before you even jump into this boyfriend, girlfriend, think in your brain, is this the kind of guy, is this the kind of girl that could be my husband or my wife? You need to ask that question. The fifth thing we find in verse 12. Go to verse 12. 
And he said, this is a servant, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show me steadfast love by my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this, I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Do you see what he does? He prays about the situation and he trusts God to come through. So when, if you're trying to figure out how to date well, you ought to pray about it and trust that God is going to give you what you need. You should pray about it and trust God to help. And notice what he prays about. Look, he doesn't kneel down. He's like, God, let her be fine because I know that Isaac likes blondes and so it'd really be great if she was blonde. God, that's not what he does. He's like, God, let me find her working and let her, let her come and be a servant a servant-hearted woman and one who's kind. He prays for character. What if you begin to pray for your future husband or wife's character for those kind of things to notice? What if, what if in addition to you noticing how attractive he or she is, you also notice how kind they were or how servant-hearted they were? You're like, they were good-looking and it just kind of worked out that they were kind. But what if we observed their character beforehand? What if we knew that? What if we prayed about it and trusted God to help? Trusted God to help. The last thing, the last thing we find in verse 29 and 30. So this guy approaches Rebecca. He's like, can I, can I like, uh, I need somewhere to stay because it's like hot out here. The sun's going to go down. Rebecca, verse 29, Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister. Thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. Do you see what happens in this situation? They, they don't do it alone. The guy doesn't just go up to Rebekah and be like, hey, do you want to like be uh, Isaac's wife? Sweet, come with me. That's not what he does. They go back to Rebekah's house, and they speak with Laban. That's her brother, and her dad's around, and I'm sure her mom's around. And they get to like interact, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. When you're dating, you do not need to do it alone. Don't date alone. Because here's the mistake I consistently see people make. Teenagers make it, and people in college made it, and they coupled off, and they abandoned every friend they had. Because like, oh my God, I'm just, I, just, I just love him so much, and I just love her so much, and I just want to spend all of my time with her and him. And you back out on all of your friends, and the relationship blows up, and you turn around to get help from friends, and they're gone. Because you dated alone. Don't date alone. Date in groups. Let, let other people observe his character, observe her character. Bring him around your parents. Bring him around your small group leader. Bring him around your mentors. Let him see it. Because your friends are going to be honest. Like, hey, I just want you to know he's a jerk. And don't get salty with them. Like, if they love you, they're willing to say, like, this is bad news. I know he's good looking. He's a jerk. Let it go. Like, let, let other people speak into that relationship because they're seeing it not jaded by the emotions that are in it, by the hormones that are in it. They, they, none of that's a part of it. They're just looking and saying, hey, when you're with him, like, you kind of act way different. I don't understand why that changes you. You shouldn't. I, we just want you to be you. Don't date alone. Don't isolate yourself. Because when you do that, you get on an island and you separate from community. 
You're setting yourself up to be alone for a while. Don't date alone. Let's date according to God's design. Let's find out who we want to date according to Genesis 24 and find out how we should date this honoring to God according to Genesis 24. Listen, I know this isn't going to just fix everything right now. I know that. But what I hope is that you would grab onto these principles and you would carry them into the relationships that you one day will be in. Some of you will date in high school. Some of you won't date until you get in college. But the, but the principles and the, and the design by God is going to be the same. And the aim will always be marriage. So let's be people. Let's be people who redeem this. Let's be people who show the culture that this can actually be awesome and not wreckage. Let's date for the glory of God and according to God's design.